Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, the deal is finally done. Welcome to a new episode of Sixers Daily. I'm your host, Jazz Kang. If you haven't heard, James Harden officially now a Sixer. The deal got done. Daryl Morey sending Ben Simmons, Andre Drummond, Seth Curry, a couple of first-round picks over to Brooklyn for Harden and also veteran big man Paul Millsap. Joining me to break this all down, uh, two contributors to our site at Liberty Ballers. First, Mr. Paul Hudrick. How you doing, Paul? Wow. Uh, I don't know. I'm like in a in a weird, surreal state right now. I don't I don't even know where I am right now, Jazz. But yeah, this this is awesome. <laughs> well, that might that might be the lack of sleep. And that also might be the fact that yeah, <laughs> we finally got the deal done. And of course, Mr. Jackson, Frank, uh, very good on the technical side of the game. Jackson, how are you feeling right now with all the craziness going on around the NBA? Uh Probably similarly to Paul, I haven't quite had the the, the time to gather my wits. Um, a lot of moves going on. Obviously, the big one is Harden, and, um, but I'm doing well. I, you know, I think these days are fun when you get to kind of conceptualize new players and new new cities and new teams. And so uh, I can't complain. But I will be I will be glad in uh, 82 minutes from now when the trade line has passed and I can kind of settle down and figure everything everything out and whatnot. Yeah, I think we're I think everybody's on a on a bit of a high right now. Paul, start off with you, Daryl Morey. He got the deal done. We were talking earlier in the live stream just before the deadline on Thursday morning uh, just about, okay, he's waited. And he said this from the start. And we were together at training camp. We were there for media day. Himself, Doc Rivers, the entire team really said, hey, we're prepared to wait this out. We're going to go with the guys that we have. And what we heard a lot of the time was Daryl was looking to get a superstar. And despite all the pressure, despite all of the people saying, you know what, just trade Ben, get what you can. He waited and he got his guy. How good do you think this is for Daryl Morey? And what do you think the reason is, Paul, that he was able to get this done despite all the outside noise over the last six or seven months here? Uh, well, Daryl Morey is a maniacally patient man uh, to be able to get this done. Because like you said, just so much pressure. I mean, it, it, it started, you know, there was that meeting at the draft with Rich Paul and, and in the Sixers brass with, with Daryl Morey and, and, and with Daryl um, and with um, Elton Brand, where they talked about the idea of exploring a trade, quietly exploring a trade. Um, so we're, I, we're I hate, I hate to interrupt, but Joel Embiid has tweeted. Uh, and it is the, it is the meme of, Oh my God, please. <laughs> I, I need know? to see it. Yeah, I, I had I had to get that out there. It's uh, it's it's quite the the post from from Joel. Finally, still has Troll on his. I need to see it so badly. That's certainly here we something. Go, here we go. I apologize for cutting you off. Paul. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. So check that out on Twitter as soon as you can if you missed it. Wow! <laughs> <laughs> like Joel Embiid is maybe the greatest troll ever, and even for for him, this is like unbelievably elite wow 
I can't wrap my brain around he's, how he's a dual MVP, most valuable player, most valuable player. <laughs> most poster, Holy hell. I am really glad you interrupted me, Jackson, because I <laughs> I needed to see that very badly. Wow. I don't even know what I was saying. I don't even think it matters. Well, Paul, just um, getting back to what you're talking about, how, how uh, Daryl Morey basically a G yeah. for waiting this out and, and, and showing everybody that, hey, patience does pay off. Yeah, no, for sure. And that's and I think, you know, like I said, going back, you know, this, this started in June at the draft. And here we are finally on February 10th, you know, at, less than two hours before the deadline. And it gets done um, that not like I just you just think back to when like all, all the times and again like i referenced earlier jazz and jackson you know this because you were a part of it at times the the slack of liberty ballers <laughs> was a shit show for months on end um all of us arguing about the merits of you know hold them oh you just need to take whatever you can get oh if he's here past the deadline it's a disaster and all of that out the window because maury does this and like i think about all the like it wasn't just the fans like there were plenty of basketball analysts that were killing Maury for this, right? Like crushing him saying, Oh, you're wasting Joel Embiid's prime. you got to get a deal done. You got to take whatever the best offer is out there. You know, over the summer was uh, Malcolm, Malcolm Brogdon in a first, ah, Maury maybe really missed an opportunity to not pull the trigger on that deal or Tyrese Halliburton, who is a hell of a player. I know Jackson, Frank, you think the world of him and I get it. Cause he's, he's going to be a really good player, but he ain't James Harden. Um, so for Maury to just wait it out, like it's just again a maniacal level of patience, and I I don't know how he knew that James Harden wanted out. I probably don't want to know how he knew James Harden wanted out, but he clearly had some insight, some intel to let him know that. And I think too, Jazz, like the biggest thing for me is, and I mentioned it in the piece for the trade, um, to do this deal and not have to, to surrender Tyrese Maxey or Matisse Thibel. I think is huge. Um, Seth Curry hurts. I mean, there's no two ways about it. It, it hurts to not have his shooting, um, the chemistry he has developed with Joel Embiid since he's gotten here. Also one of the, the greatest value contracts in the entire NBA. So to lose all of that is, is, is significant. But to me, to hang on to those two young guys and what they bring to the table, I, I think is huge. So, yeah, I mean, Daryl Morey, man, I mean, let yourself a cigar pour yourself a glass of bourbon or whatever your, your poison of choice is because you, I mean, he nailed it. Uh, Jackson, looking at this from a on-court standpoint, they got Daryl Moore, uh, Daryl Moore, he got, pardon me, James Harden. Uh, he's going to be the guy outside of Joe, obviously instantly, you know, slots in as the number two guy, especially in the offensive end for the Sixers. When you're looking at the adjustments Doc Rivers is going to make now, I'm assuming we're going to see a starting lineup of Maxi Harden, Thibel, Tobias Harris, if he's not moved, we can jump into that in a bit as well. And of course, Joel. So what are you looking for some of the changes that Doc Rivers should make to the offense to try and implement uh, Harden? And, and what do you think we should be looking for from the Sixers for the, from the first coming weeks here uh, once Harden does end up suiting up? Yeah, so I think you're, you're going to have to go to more of a pick and roll heavy offense. I know Joel isn't great at that. Um, and when I say pick and more pick and roll heavy, and I'm not saying to like replace all of Joel's post-ups, but I'm more talking about a lot of the offense revolves around the, the kind of starting that horn set. Seth Curry making the Iverson cut to one of the wings, and they'll work from there if Joel is not posting up. Instead, that should be replaced by Tyrese Maxey and James Harden led pick and rolls. Um, so that's going to be important there. Obviously, you know, Joel has grown as a, as a pick and roll scorer. Um, I'd like to see not even pick and rolls, pick and pops. I think that's where Joel's best now in ball screens. He becomes so good at kind of, you know, either taking the three when it comes to him or patiently up faking or jabbing and driving. 
Maybe they'll flow into a dribble handoff with Tyrese Maxey, maybe someone with Tobias Harris. So um, that's the biggest change I think you'll see is, you know, we've just become so accustomed to a lot of the possessions start with something on with Seth Curry, you know, cutting from one wing to the other and, and working from there with Joel. Um, so that's what I think is interesting. Uh, the, the, the obvious kind of issue here is James Harden is not a very good off-ball player. He never has been. Um, and two, in his defense, he's largely for most of his career been good enough on the ball for that not really to matter. Um, but I'm curious to kind of see what level of Harden do we get? Do we get the guy we've seen the last couple of weeks? Do we get the one we saw for for six or so weeks in the middle of the year where he was really, really good? Uh, do we get the guy we start at the start of the year? I don't think we'll get that. I think he was working himself back into shape, but um, I, I am curious to kind of see how those partnerships develop. And as we talked about last week um, on the pod, it's, this is Joel's offense now. Um, he's He's been a better player offensively than Harden's been this year. Um, you know, Harden at his peak, I think is better than Joel, but you know, peak Harden hasn't been a guy we've seen for a couple of years now. So, um, for a while, the conversation has always been about how does Joel fit with Harden. And now it's, you know, it's about how does Harden fit with Joel offensively because Joel is rightfully the best, you know, rightfully the guy that this offense is built around because he's been better than, than Harden this year. And that could change, but at least at the start, it's going to have to be how does Harden cater to, to Joel rather than vice versa. Paul, we're looking at this, giving up Seth Curry. I like the fact that they kept Thibault as, as much. And, and Jackson, we talk about this pretty often on, on our postgame pods is Thibault's uh, total liability in the offensive end, right? Like he's not a great shooter, especially from the corner threes. You're hoping he can develop that. Have seen him start to do a little bit more uh, of the cuts, the backdoor cuts to try and find an open lane for a dunk or a lob. But uh, Paul, when you're looking at this from the perspective of losing Seth Curry's shooting, and he's fallen off a little bit. He has been dealing with some I- injuries. And since then, not quite as as effective on the offensive end especially as you mentioned Jackson a lot of the the you know the <clears throat> DHOs that they run uh with Joel Embiid but Paul when you're looking at this how, how much does this hurt the Sixers for the shooting aspect and do they have enough to maybe overcome this uh, you know bringing in Harden and Paul Millsap who at the end of his career is still a decent outside shooter for a big man yeah I mean unquestionably it's going to hurt to lose the shooting of Seth Curry I mean the guy's one of the greatest three-point shooters in NBA history as far as percentages go. So, of course, that's going to hurt along with him, you know, the chemistry he had built with Joel Embiid since he had gotten here. Uh, That's certainly going to hurt, but you're replacing him in the starting lineup with one of the greatest perimeter playmakers of all time. Like, you're Matisse Thibault on the floor or not, teams are not going to go zone um, when, when James Harden is out there and he's able to pick you apart. He's also... And Jazz, I've said this like a thousand times, but like he is also an elite facilitator. He's he's a great passer and he's going to pick defenses apart. Jackson mentioned like, yeah, you're going to have to switch your offense up because you're going to have to adjust to the strengths of James Harden. And part of that is the pick and roll. But to me, two things I'll say. One, I think James Harden walks in the door and says, hey, Joe, like, would you mind rolling more every so often? I think Joe says, sure, let's do this. Um, But then the other aspect of that would be Joel has actually shown a little bit more of a willingness to roll this season, at least more so than we've seen in the past, not to a great degree, but he's done it more than, than I can remember him ever doing it in his career. So I think that helps. So I just, I think, as much as that shooting, as much as it's going to hurt to not have that guy in Seth Curry, I think what Harden is going to do for the rest of the the, the unit and, and the rest of the team is going to help immensely. And then the, also the other thing is um, it, it's, it's not three o'clock again. I mean, it's not three o'clock yet. Like there certainly could be another deal that comes down the pike that gets them another shooter. So 
Um, you know, it, again, just to sit and reiterate, like it's, it hurts to lose Seth Curry it, without a doubt, but you have to give to get. And I think with what Harden, the improvement he's going to give this offense, this starting unit, I think it's well worth including Seth Curry in that deal. Paul Jackson, let's take a quick break because I want to jump into some other big picture stuff as well. And looking at this from a Ben Simmons perspective, that era officially over now in Philly. We'll do that after a short break. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, and we are back. Again, back into things, obviously, the big news. James Harden now officially a sixer. But looking at this from the other angle, and Jackson, I'll start with you. Like Ben Simmons, clearly still a very talented guy, 25 years old, three-time NBA All-Star, all-NBA first-team defense-type talent, a defensive player of the year potential, obviously, there as well. When you're looking at his fit in Brooklyn, replacing Harden there, playing with KD, remains to be seen what happens with the vaccine stuff and, and Kyrie Irving. The playoffs still a couple of months away, and we're starting to see the pandemic wane a little bit, so that might not be an issue come time for April. But, Jackson, when you're looking at this, how do you think Ben fits with the Nets? Yeah, I mean, I think I think in their ideal lineup, he fits pretty well. You know, you think about they'll, they'll have Kyrie, they'll have Joe Harris, they'll have Seth, they'll have KD. That's four very, very good shooters in different ways, right? I mean, a couple of them off the ball. Kyrie's a good off-ball shooter, then also can play on the ball. KD, you know, is a great pull-up shooter, uh, especially for mid-range. And they need defense, right? I mean, like you can't ask you can't ask Simmons to do everything. We've seen kind of the 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 issues with both asking him and Joel to do everything on defense at times. But um, makes a lot of sense there. Um, you have a ton of space, um, but a lot of it, you know, I think Ben when he plays is a is an All-Star caliber player, right? Like a top twenty-five to thirty guy in that range, whatever you want to say. If you want to hold his playoff struggles against him a little more, say top 40, that's fine. But a very, very good player. Um, but to maximize him, a lot of it comes down to Ben, right? And that's what we that's what everyone who covers the Sixers or has been a fan for a long time knows. We're like, yeah, he could be a better cutter, could be a better screener. Like the Sixers have put together fairly good rosters for like, even if not ideal ones. Um, so this this is a great chance for him. Maybe like Philly was just never the place for him, you, you know, right? Like you just you know, you, sometimes you don't want to play somewhere. I'm not not saying, you know, I don't expect that to be the case. I I don't have a ton of optimism in Ben becoming a radically different player than he's been. Um, but there's always a chance a new environment, you know, fosters that. So I think the fit makes a lot of sense. Their defense has really struggled. Uh, I am curious what this means for guys like Bruce Brown, DeAndre Bembry, um, even Nick Claxton to an extent. doesn't mean that, like, they shouldn't have traded for Ben, obviously, um, but those are guys that have been part of the rotation, you know, in and out of the rotation at times and been pretty important to them. So um, kind of curious what it means for them because it's, you know, as as Sixers people know, it's tough to play another non-shooter with, with Ben, um, whether it's on the perimeter or inside with a big man. So 
Um, I like the fit. I like this deal a lot for the for the Nets. I think both sides made out really well given the circumstances. They each had disgruntled stars, you know, to varying degrees in terms of you know the caliber of stars, and they they uh, made out well. So I'm really curious to see how this how things shake out for the Nets, but. Um, I don't think we'll really know until um, KD comes back at the very earliest, which I think is maybe three or four weeks away, if I recall, if I read recently. So, um, but yeah, short answer is I think it was a good deal. And I think this is a good spot for Ben, um, but him becoming the best version of himself as it's long been is, is all up to him. Um, you know, con- the context can't be, you know, everything for him. Paul, you, you've been so in tune with the Sixers over the past few years. Obviously, your experience at NBC Sports, had some time at ESPN there as well, and now working for us here at, at Liberty Ballers. Uh, how do you summarize the, the Ben Simmons era in, in Philly? When you look at it, 2016, number one overall pick, uh, obviously had to miss some time due, due to the injuries, his playoff failure against the Hawks. How do you summarize this whole thing from your perspective and as a Sixers fan? The, one of the weirdest tenured athletes easily in Philadelphia sports history. Um, talk about it. Like, and I know a shame is Clancy's actually putting together something and I'm, 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 I it's in the works. It's not done yet. And I'm so stoked to read it. So please um, go to, if you're a fan of Seamus's work, you can only imagine the fun he's going to have with it. And it's just kind of looking back over the Ben Simmons era from the, from the very beginning from like jazz, you got to understand they threw a draft lottery party for the number one overall pick. And then they got it. The Sixers got it and they drafted Ben Simmons and he was the consensus guy. Like that was everyone that all the draft Knicks, like everyone said, this guy is, you know, the, the, the closest thing he is, is, is to LeBron or Magic Johnson. Like that's the comparisons he was getting coming out. So he was viewed as like this can't miss guy, this superstar in the making. So there was just so much expectations. And then, his rookie year, he was sensational. He wins rookie of the year. They really, they won the, they got the three seed, which nobody anticipated them being a three seed. His rookie year, Joel Embiid's second year after only playing 31 games his rookie year. Like, and then the winner first round series against the Heat. And, you know, the way they lost, people were thinking they were going to beat the Celtics and maybe go to the finals at that point. Um, and it obviously came away disappointed. But it, the biggest thing that will define it for me is just like regression. The way he regressed offensively, it's it was like mind blowing to watch because he was so unbelievable defensively. Like he he became arguably and you know still is obviously at twenty five years old the most versatile uh, defensive player in the entire NBA. He became that. He built himself in that. Credit to him for the work he put in and for the effort he put in on that end of the floor. But offensively, just to see. And especially in the postseason, right? I mean, and that's what's gonna that's what everyone's gonna remember. No one's gonna remember all the other stuff. Everyone's just gonna remember the postseason. And you know, that Boston series, he was really bad. One game, I think he scored one point, um, and just really wasn't good overall offensively in that series in general. Then the Toronto series again, he was outstanding against Kawhi, who had a historically great series, but offensively just gave them nothing. Um and then, of course, you know, he misses the bubble playoff series against Boston with the knee injury. But then last season against the Hawks, we're, we're, the lasting image is him passing the passing up a dunk to Matisse Thibel and also shooting 34 percent from the free throw line. So it's just and I think, Jazz, when we talked about it initially, when we found out about the trade demand or request or however you want to phrase it, the word I kept coming back to is disappointment. And that's how I'm forever going to look at Ben Simmons tenure as a sixer. Just disappointment and not disappointment because I think he's a bad player, but it's actually kind of the opposite. It, it's disappointment because 
I see so much potential in him and I think he can be so great. And for whatever reason, it's just something holding him back from improving the offensive portions of his game and not even just the outside shot, you know, just flat out free throw shooting and finishing around the rim. Like those two things, if he had improved those, the sky, you know, if he can still improve those, because again, he's 25 years old, the sky is the limit for this guy. He can be great. Um, so yeah, I, I, the, the, the overarching word I'm going to keep coming back to is disappointing. Um, it's funny. I, I talked to a, a colleague of mine and we were talking about Ben Simmons and the fact that the, the statement he gave for that NFT company he signed on with was the first time we heard from him since game seven of, of that Hawks series. And it's just weird because I thought this past season was Ben Simmons best as far as media. Like I thought he was the most open and expansive he had ever been. Um, and then so, and then this, for the way it kind of went down and just the war of words through the media and everything with him and Joel Embiid and the kind of, you know, all this bad blood they're going to get left with. It's still like, I'm just the word disappointment is, is going to be the one I keep going back to. And Paul, just a quick update for everyone. Uh, Shams from the athletic, obviously reporting now Harden will opt into his $47.3 million uh, option for next wow. season. So he's at least here for, for this season and one, one more beyond uh, Jackson. That, big that feels sorry, pretty huge. That's <laughs> significant. I agree. Well, do you guys, Ultimately, you another think- year and a half to figure it out, right? That'll take some of the because pre- like, the whole thing with with Jimmy, right? When they traded for Jimmy, was that you had to, you had a year to figure it out or a season to figure it out. Now they've got, you know, I think that's. I apologize for cutting you guys off, but that's that's pretty that's pretty huge, right? Like I just think that that gives you more leeway if, the, if things don't work out this year. Which I mean, it's tough to win a title. Maybe it doesn't work out, but you have a whole another off season to figure it out and, and whatnot and get this partnership correct. So um, that is massive. Yeah, and I, I think you know. So I was going to say there too. Sorry. Uh, to chime in as well, but I was going to say, Hey, you know what doesn't work out even a, a year and a half from now, you can look at getting rid of that contract, getting rid of Tobias Harris and the Sixers will be a major player in free agency, depending on who's available at that time. Uh, fellas, let's wrap up. Just want to ask both your opinions on this. First off, Paul, we'll start with you. March the 10th, the Nets going to be in Philly taking on the Sixers. So Ben's going to get his welcoming then kind of funny to see though. And I'm not making fun of the whole mental health thing, but it's like, I'm pretty sure Ben's mental health issues are going to be fine now, um, now that he's going to be able to play for Brooklyn. But Paul, how much are you looking forward to that on March the 10th? And what are you anticipating? Well, I already know what the mood's going to be like, but how bad do you think it's going to be for Simmons on that date? Um, we're, we're assuming that he's going to play that night. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, yeah, I, I, I think it's safe to say. I don't think he's playing. Night. I think, no? I think going back to the mental health thing, I think it, it just stems from not wanting to be a sixer and playing in Philadelphia for the most part, which is not me criticizing it, it or whatever, but I think that's where there are the issues. I, I, I would be surprised if Ben Simmons plays in Philadelphia if any time the next three years, like I'm, yeah. not, I'm not, it's not a criticism. He just doesn't want to play in the city. So, yeah, no, I, I w- I'm with you, Jackson. I, w- I would be pretty stunned if he plays, um, if he's even in the building, like I, I really would be. Um, and if I'm being honest, I can't really say that I blame him, but I, I wouldn't really want to face that either. Cause it is, it's good. If he were to play and he were to be announced the vitriol, it would just be ugly and nasty. And I don't even think I, I would, I like it would to me. And I'm just speaking from my own personal experience. Like if, if I'm sitting in, in press row, I, I would almost be uncomfortable with how ugly I think it would get. Um, Cause I would just want, I, I wouldn't even want to like look at it or hear like, you know what I mean? Like it wouldn't even be cause like sometimes when a guy comes back and it's kind of like, it could be funny or fun. Like, you know, Jimmy Butler getting booed every time he touched the basketball. Ah, it's funny. Like we can all laugh at that, but like, I just, uh, I just think it could get, 
it could cross some lines and I I'm like almost like not looking forward to it him ever, but I, I'm with you Jackson. That I just, I don't see him ever playing a game at the Wells Fargo center, it, it, at least for the foreseeable future. Well, well, I mean, let's be honest. These two teams could play in the playoffs and you think that he's not going to sit out that. Well, that's it's, true. That's no, pissed. that's, yeah. that's, that's an outstanding point that he's uh, not yeah, going to sit out a playoff game. Yeah, I mean, season, I guess. Kyrie Irving might <laughs> have to, but, <laughs> um, but Ben Simmons won't be able to. So that's no, that's a fair point that might come up. And if it does, yeah, especially a playoff atmosphere. I've been in that building for the playoffs, man. And it's, it, it can get it gets rowdy. I mean, I was there that day that Meek Mill came in from a friggin' helicopter and came into the building. I've never I, you felt the ground shake um, when he rang the bell. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's it has the potential to get really weird and really ugly. And it, I'm like, I'm like morbidly intrigued, but I'm also like terrified of what it will look like. I just, it's just going to be fun. I'm, I'm definitely going to try and make my way to Philly for the, for the March 10th game scene. Uh, <laughs> if, if Ben can, uh, Ben's going to be in the lineup for the Nets. Uh, but yeah, we'll wrap up again, bigger picture stuff. Uh, Jackson, starting with you, the Sixers 32 and 22, 16 and six since Christmas, only two and a half games out of the top spot behind Miami uh, for the Eastern conference lead. Milwaukee also right there, Chicago, Cleveland. Where do you think the Sixers are going to end up in the standings, Jackson, looking at this and can, let's just say Harden plays, the last, you know, 25 or 20 to 25 games or so, where do you think the Sixers end up in the standings? I'll just, I'll, I'll just ballpark it. I mean, there's uh, teams around them have tough schedules. Milwaukee has the second toughest remaining schedule, Chicago third, Miami's right behind the Sixers. Uh, Miami's 13th, Sixers the 10th hardest. So um, tough to know for sure. I'll just, I'll just ballpark it to like third. I, I mean, I don't, they're so close together. And the Sixers lost a little bit of ground recently. I mean, they're one and three stretch, but um, I would say there. And I, I do want to add a couple of notes um, mm-hmm. about kind of what, Maybe what Paul was talking about earlier with Harden and the shooting thing. I think that, yeah, the Sixers, like shooting hasn't really been an issue for the Sixers, right? The last year and a half or so, it's more been the ability to break down defenses and get into the paint consistently. That's why Maxi has been so important. Harden, when he's engaged, can do that. Part of the issue too, is that Harden hasn't been super, not com- maybe comfortable, like not willing to always do that this year. So um, that's where I'm curious. So I don't really have an issue with maybe the shooting decline without Seth Curry. Um, because their bigger issue beyond the shooting recently has been a lack of high-level passers and guys who can get two feet in the paint consistently. And Harden, when he wants to do that, even despite being a little more limited recently, can still do that. So I'm um, pretty curious to see what version of Harden we get. We've seen a lot of different versions with <laughs> of him since he, since he came to Brooklyn last year, but um, just want to follow up with that. But I'll say third, just ballparking. I, I don't have a, a, I'd have to really analyze the schedule of every team that is in the top five or six or even seven right now. Chicago or Toronto and Boston have really been, you know, uh, on a hot, sweet streak as well. So um, I'll say third, roughly the Sixers have been third a couple of times in the Joel and beat era. It feels like a spot they're comfortable with. So, um, but don't hold me to it. There's no, there's no, uh, there's no firm analysis on every team's schedule involved there. That's what's well, going to hurt too. It's going to just real quick. It's going to hurt when, you know, we don't know when Harden is actually going to play. Right. I mean, he's still dealing with a hamstring issue. We don't know when he's going to make a Sixers debut and the Sixers schedule is pretty brutal coming up here. So, mm-hmm. And then on top, like, you know, you don't have quite have Harden yet and you don't have Seth Curry. So that that could be a tricky situation to navigate here if Harden's out a week or two. So um, that's another factor as well. And that could potentially to Jackson's point, like it, it's pretty open and pretty wild. So like, you know, Cleveland could go on a, on a nice big run or, you know, Chicago. They look like they're starting to get healthy now and they look phenomenal um, against Charlotte last night. So teams are going to go on runs and maybe their schedules are going to soften up. Whereas the Sixers, their schedule is very tough. And we just, we just don't quite know when Harden is actually going to be able to play basketball for them. 
Well, I, I was going to say that's why we love Jackson, but you know what, Paul, will include you in that as well. Two very <laughs> rational beings when it comes to <laughs> basketball, right? Never going to give the 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 uh, the hot take or the whatever, going to break it down for, for what it actually is. And, and just so you all know, the Sixers have the 10th hardest remaining stre- strength of schedule uh, in, the, in the NBA. And Paul, I'm going to wrap up with, with this asking you. They got hardened. They got their guy. What are the expectations for the for the Sixers now? Is it just championship or a bust? Like even a trip to the finals isn't going to feel like a feel good thing for the Sixers? Yeah, I mean, it's got to be championship or bust. I mean, I'm sure like in retrospect, if they make the finals and they lose, like, you know, they might kind of feel good about it a little bit. But no, I mean, this is and it's fun, like I find myself agreeing with Kendrick Perkins on something. So I mean, forgive me, <laughs> but um, he was just they were just, you know, he's just on NBA today breaking down the trade. And he made actually a point that I tend to agree with, like Kate, not to say and I'm not calling anybody out for their competitiveness. Like, obviously, KD is a super competitive guy. So is Kyrie. All these all these guys are. KD's won two championships. Kyrie's already won one. Joe, Joel Embiid has not. And James Harden has not. They are hungry. They want to win a championship. So from their from those two guys' perspective, I, I am quite sure that if they do not win a title this year, they will 100% view this season as a disappointment. And I think Maury is a guy who every year is trying to win a championship, even though, again, he hasn't won one yet. Um, and I think that's why, like, I, I kind of feel like, man, they got a good chance because this team is going to be so ridiculously hungry to get there and win one, um, especially with those two guys spearheading. Well, hopefully we don't see Doc would, Rivers. Yeah, go ahead. I would, I would add just, like, I think, like, I think, not that Paul's in that way, but like, I think KD is, like, as hungry, like as hungry as Harden and NBA. Of course, but, of course. Kyrie clearly basketball is not his his number one thing. Like it's it was not it was not that way. It seemingly, or at least not. It, he didn't prioritize as much other guys. Now it clearly isn't that way. Given he's going to play like twenty one games this year, so um, you can do whatever you want. I don't care. Like athletes don't have to value basketball that much. But Kyrie isn't getting a vaccine, and it has not allowed him to play for most of the year. So clearly, one of the Nets' two biggest stars. Um, is not fully embracing basketball, which is fine, but it's 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 fine. It's not it's not great that he's not vaccinated, but uh, obviously that it makes it a a difference between the two uh, Sixers main guys now, and that's that matters in this specific discussion of a, of a title hunt for sure. Yeah, and 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 again, we we don't know what's going to happen over the coming months here with with the pandemic and and Kyrie, but that obviously had had to have been an issue for for not only Harden but for the organization as well. I was going to say, hopefully, we don't see Doc try and get cute and be like, well, you know what, let's play Ferk twenty five minutes a night next to uh, next to Harden anymore because that that's the one thing I'm worried about. I hope Doc Rivers comes up with enough uh, imaginative of an offense that kind of not only makes the Sixers obviously they already are a very good offensive team but a great offensive team and I think uh that's one thing we're going to be keeping an eye on is the technical fit and the on-court fit between Harden and Embiid uh fellows we'll wrap things up there Jackson thank you for taking the time out to join us Paul uh always good to talk to you as well we you might do a second emergency pod depending on what happens but want to thank you both for taking the time out during during your busy mornings and afternoons uh to hop on and do this absolutely yeah, this is this is fun this is a fun day I'm glad I'm glad it's uh, we were doing it at, at 11 a.m. Pacific time rather than 2 p.m. Pacific time when the Sixers made one one uh, one minor move. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward <laughs> to the Embiid Harden partnership. I think it'll be it'll be fascinating. Nothing else. And, and now they, we get to watch it for at least one and a half years, whether that's well, good, bad or in between. So, yeah. And I was going to say, well, the good news for us is we don't have to talk about the Ben Simmons <laughs> trade anymore. Oh, we my goodness. We to talk goodness. about this team and how great they could be. So Ooh, ever again, really, we, the only time we'll have to talk about Ben maybe is that they play the Nets in the playoffs and how who he'll guard me. But yeah, I, I am very much glad to uh, be past that because I know that we've talked about it a lot on the podcast, Jazz, and 
uh, my my disdain for it has been evident. So I am glad that it won't even extend it to the. It won't be something we have to talk about in June either. So it's uh, the scene. I'm, I'm excited to watch Ben play basketball again. For all of it's, you know, the criticism I'll levy him, it'll be fun to watch him play. It's the Shawshank Redemption scene when he <laughs> crawls through the tunnel of shit and comes out the other end. <laughs> That's what it is right now. That's what I'm feeling. See, there you go. Jackson and Paul, two guys who hate irrational, irrational <laughs> NBA takes and didn't want to talk about Ben Simmons anymore. So you guys got your guys' wish on this one. Uh, we'll wrap things up there. Thanks for joining us on this emergency pod. Don't forget, as always, subscribe to the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. You can catch us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you name it. We are there. And of course, as I mentioned off the top, Paul Jackson, uh, Steve Lipman, Harrison Grimm, Tom West. We've got a ton of talented writers as well. Getting you covered for all things Sixers at LibertyBallers.com. <laughs>